Hey team, welcome to Transition Talk, where we talk about dental transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path to practice ownership. Well, another special episode. We are recording live from the 22 Henman Dental Meeting in Atlanta. This is actually our second special episode from Henman, so if you haven't had a chance to listen to our first, please do so, as we were able to catch up with one of our most favorite former clients, Dr. Anushka Amin go behind the scenes with her life and practice transition since we helped her buy her first practice about five years ago. So super fun. So most of our episodes are about the buyer perspective and kind of how to buy that first practice. We do have, you know, plenty that are seller appropriate, but I feel like we needed another episode to kind of dive in, kind of put everything in one place for sellers of like, if you're thinking about transitioning, high level things to consider both as an individual, an owner who's now getting ready to retire, because that's a big leap in your professional and personal world. And so that's what this episode is going to be about. Nothing groundbreaking new. You've probably heard us say everything on, you know, other episodes kind of here and there, but hopefully kind of this packages it all up pretty nicely from a seller perspective. But before we do that, Mr. Loretto. Hey, I tell you what, you are busy today. I mean, you got the podcast today, you've got, you know, a panel that you're going to be on, you've got evaluation. You're like this star here at Well, I don't think that's true, Mr. Loretto. I think that that title goes to you and your day yesterday. I'm a little jealous of your day today. You have nothing going on today. Man, that that just means that I may hear your valuation speech or I may take a nap. I'm pretty sure you're taking a nap, even if you are in my valuation lecture. Man, I tell you, as a speaker, it's so fun to be here at him and they throw on a party. It is it is busy. You you really don't get a minute at all. I mean it's from your day starts at the 7 a.m. and you know let's just say that we finished at the a.m. last night yes yes a little <laughs> tired extra coffee this morning no but it's great we're live in the exhibit hall so a lot of hustle a lot of bustle if you hear background noise that's kind of why it's a little special episode got new podcast gear for this this oh, yeah. occasion yeah, we look like we know what we're doing we totally look like we know what we're doing yeah, yeah. yeah. no and i love this topic today because it feels like we've become more known in this dental space on the transitions. So many of our topics that we are both lecturing on the last couple of days have been on transitions. And a lot of this has to do with sellers. And just, it's so important that that seller is truly ready, you know, on the financial side and emotional side. So they just need to have a plan. So, you know, tell us a little bit on your side, just some of that emotional, because you're like the therapist for this group. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't mind it. Yeah. I actually kind of like it. For for our employees, you know, for the buyers, (laughs) certainly for our sellers. And so, and certainly at home, at the home front, you're the therapist. We're we're all kind of like looking up to you and getting counseling. So uh, give me some of that emotional stuff you've been dealing with, especially with our sellers. What's happening? Yeah, I think with anything, again, not groundbreaking, but why are you ready right? And thinking about that long before the day you're actually ready, like what do you want to try to accomplish? What are you wanting to try to do? Why are you wanting to transition? Is it because you've always just said when I'm 65, I'm going to transition? I was talking with someone yesterday and I think that no one really kind of plans for a transition. So when it either unexpectedly or kind of hits you that you want to transition, you kind of want to transition yesterday. And I don't think you've, at least some clients, haven't accurately thought about like what that means emotionally for them. You know, you've worked and worked and worked and worked and been on kind of the the wheel of dentistry and ownership for 30 plus years. And to just step off is I think a little disconcerting. You don't know what to do with yourself and your spouse doesn't know what to do with you being home all the time. And so there's like a little lack of purpose. And so I think the more that you can kind of prepare and think and and kind of have a plan for what life looks like after transition and whatever shape or fashion or form that looks like for you, 
the better prepared you are emotionally for making that decision, which is really helpful in a transition because then you're not bringing your emotional baggage to the transition process, which is already kind of fraught with like a lot of stress and anxiety on both sides. So like you have a plan, you're very determined in what your plan is, you're very committed to the process versus trying to figure all that out at the same time as the transition with the buyer. Well, and I love just Anishka's presence. You know, she's just, you just tell that she's just an amazing person, mm-hmm. very thankful for what she purchased and she's ready. She is ready already for an associate. I loved her telling us just, you know, that she wants to grind in her 30s and and push harder, you know, in her 40s, but she wants to pull back at 45 and she wants to be out of the game at 50. And so with that, you know, she's clearly has this vision of what it's going to look like, what the associate, she's building a building, she wants to bring the associate, she wants to cut back from a four day to three day. That's just, you can tell that she's ready. I love, I thought it was cute, her making fun of her husband and basically like, <laughs> he'll never be ready. Like he is going to be the worst person, you know, it's like, well, he's just not ready now. Yeah. You know, yeah. once it'll, he'll get to a point. Yeah. Everyone it, does. Yeah. 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 Everyone gets there. But you know, that's kind of the soft side, but then there's also kind of the sometimes harsh reality of like, can you transition, right? And you have to think about transition well in advance to be ready financially. So let's talk about being financially ready because that's clearly a very large piece of this puzzle too. Yeah, so definitely step one, emotional. You know, you have to be able to give up control. You gotta be able to, you know, make these steps back. You know, emotionally, you have to be able to give up money. You have to make an investment with an associate. You've got to change some marketing and branding around that. You've got to be able to hire an assistant. You've got to be able to potentially make capital investments to expand. It could be a building uh, investment. So there's a lot of investment there. And so I like to first start with making sure your financial plan is in order and to start thinking about what the break-even of each of these decisions are. So when I think about a break-even, the break-even should be about multiple steps. So for example, if I have a a million dollar practice, I need to have clean financial statements so I can run a break even of what it's going to take to bring in that associate. So I gave this these numbers yesterday in lecture. So if you were paying an associate roughly $9,000 a month and that was going to be for let's just say, you know, 12 or 24 month period, you got to think about what the break even is. So now I need to add in not just the 9,000, I need to add in maybe an assistant, maybe I'm adding two operatories. Then I need to think about my direct costs, my supplies, my lab, maybe some office supplies. And then I need to, that's going to give me a calculation. And that number was roughly about $200,000. So what I love is to be able to see from a numbers perspective is to show that associate that I'm bringing in, I'm going to make this capital investment. I'm going to make this financial investment for you. And at minimum, it's going to take a certain dollar amount just to break even. The second thing is I need to be upfront and honest with this associate and say, look, I love you. I want this to work out, but I'm making 400000 right now, and I honestly don't want to make a pay cut. So if we're going to create a partnership, we're going to have to grow this practice from X to Y to break even for you, then to Z of at what point does it make sense for the buy-in. So running those calculations out both on a personal financial plan, then something as simple as a break-even for the associate, then something to break-even for a partnership are absolutely critical. It needs to be thought out and you really just need to have this cohesive plan that you feel comfortable with, you can see it, so that you can clearly explain it to your associate and clearly explain it to your team. And that helps with a lot of this why. Yep, 100%. The financial piece, it's always 
It's always heartbreaking when someone's ready or they have to, they don't really have a choice, physical, something happens and then they're not ready financially or they have to work back for a certain number of years. They have to go work somewhere else because their practice isn't big enough to support them or, you know, whatever the reason might be. So very, very important and something you can start doing like both of these things, you know, the emotional piece, the, the financial piece, both things you can do well before you think about transition. Like that's just, I think the number one thing I would encourage anyone listening today if you're a seller, whether you are going to transition in 20 years or five years or 10 years or next year, you got to start thinking about those things because you will all transition. No one is going to work forever. Yeah. And back to Nushkin and many of the people that we visit here in lectures for the last two days is you'll know when you're ready to with that right person. And just to see her just light up, Anushka, when she found that senior doctor. Oh my gosh, yes. You know, so for my senior doctors, you should light up as well when you find that buyer. And you should just feel like you're blessed and you're thankful. And that, it's, it's a lot easier to make those investments mm-hmm. with that person, mm-hmm. the capital investments, and just, you know, again, you're going to sell her, give you a heads up. You typically will lose a little money here when you bring this person on. But it's it's okay to lose money when you can see the vision clearly and you can invest in a person and your future. Ultimately, there has to be a payoff here. And, you know, one of those payoffs could go from a four-day to three-day a week. I mean, that that's, I'm in. How do I work three days a week versus four? And so I think if you can find that right person, you may have to date a few before you get it. But, but man, I, I'll tell you, when you talk to both the buyers and sellers and they have found that person, you just see them like light up, like they, they've literally found their spouse. It's a new, you know, when people talk about their kids and they kind of get all a little twinkle in you know, their little eye. Twinkle, little eye. <laughs> yeah. I love to see that. I mean, it makes yeah. me really happy when I can see people uh, both on the buyer and seller side when, when they found their person. Yeah. And I think too, you know, what I loved about Anushka's story was that she did a walkaway sale or a hundred percent sale. But what I loved about it is they treated it almost like a partnership from a communication standpoint before the sale happened, right? Like if you listen to the episode, they met, you know, five, six times before and spouses met each other. Like they really kind of put the work on the front end to communicate and both were open and understanding of the other person's position, right? Like he had never had an associate, so he didn't know what associates were you know, what they paid or how it worked and she had. So, and he was clearly open to listening to her experience and learning from that and kind of talking through what was fair for them together. And I think that is always encouraged, but I think that's probably something pretty rare for a walkaway sale that there's that level of communication from both parties, right? One might want it more than the other, but from both. So encourage sellers to like have that perspective and learn from the person who's going to take over your practice. I mean, there's a reason you chose them. And then clearly on the flip side, buyers kind of respecting and and learning from those sellers is obvious. Yeah. And look, on, on the whole twinkle in your eye thing, I mean, I really, I want that for, especially when you're going to be working at a long period of time, you know, but listen, if you're a little, have some differences with that seller or seller, you have a little differences with that buyer, it's going to be a hundred percent walk away. You don't have, it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, doesn't have, you know, if it's a good financial decision for both parties to like, Hey, I just, I'm happy someone showed up at this town to buy my practice and, uh, we're not going to quote unquote partner with each other. I don't have to have as much twinkle, no. but if I'm going <laughs> to be twinkle. working with you and truly side by side, 
especially making decisions together like in a partnership, then I'm looking for my twinkle. I agree, 100%. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about some transition options. We're not going to go like deep dive in every single one and all the pros and cons, but I, I think it's helpful to just touch on them and understand, again, education, why do these options exist for you? What might work for you or what you think might work for you today might be something totally different when you come to transition. So I think just constantly keeping an ear out. So options for transition, we can do outright sale, 100% sale, walk away, all kind of the same thing. Partnership, right? And that can be typically as an associate to partnership, right? They start in your practice as an associate and slowly buy in over time. Or that DSO private equity transition option, which is typically, you know, kind of still that 100% sale option, but to a different and also has different kind of obligations on the back end. Talk to me about kind of what you see is the best fit or things that someone might consider if they're kind of thinking about their options down the road, what's going to be the best fit for what and what's going to guide that decision? All three lectures that we gave here at Timmon, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. 100%. So, you know, look, this is the numbers thing, you know, so on a walkaway sale. So again, if you are a seller and you're thinking about, you know, kind of some of these options or your buddy brought a partner in or your buddy, you know, sold to this DSO. It's a numbers thing. It's all about the numbers. So if you have a practice, I would say to be safe, 800 collections or less, this is just a walk away sale. This is going to be something where we put a value on it, we find a buyer for you and that we identify a very short transition period that you would be around. That could be from, you know, six months to maybe a year, but probably one day a week that you're working the practice. So if you are, you know, emotionally and financially there, just know that if you have that practice, I would say about an 800,000 or less, it truly just is the one doctor practice. Very unlikely that's gonna create any type of partnership. The numbers just don't make sense for that buyer. It doesn't make sense for the bank. And so therefore, that's some solid numbers to be, you know, to be thinking about. 800 or less is truly just as a one doctor type practice. And I think also thinking about that, like you should not need to work back, right? Which is clearly that even for a short time, that might be challenging for a buyer. So just kind of understanding that it's a one doctor practice. And there may be, depending on cash flows, like not even a time for you to get paid to do anything post-sale, right? Like we always say, hey, if you can work back three to six months and then it works, like we'd love that because there's a transition of that goodwill. But at a certain size practice, like even a short-term work back becomes challenging due to cash flows, the debt they're taking on, their student loan debt. So just kind of planning for that too and thinking about what that looks like and how you might handle that. Yeah, and, and even... It could be a case too that the numbers are even 900 to a million. It could truly be because it could be a space limitation. So now all of a sudden we're working in a four chair practice. There just may not be room for that doctor. So again, if you're selling your business, your life's work, I mean, are you really ready? Are you ready just to like give the coat? Here's the keys and like, you know, I'm out. I want to hear those words from that selling doctor that says, Charles, I told you I was ready. I wasn't ready. I'm calling you back and I'm ready. I, I need to hear that because you have to know that once you sell 100% of this business, that that buyer at any point could say, I love you, but you're out. And, and are you going to be okay with that? Yep. The next type of transition, more of a partnership. I think the partnership clearly is based on size, right? And you have to have enough of the pie to kind of share from a production and financial standpoint. But I think the partnership can solve short and long-term problems or goals, right? I mean, Anushka saying she wants to bring on an associate, she wants to be able to scale back. So it's giving her time or potentially in the future giving her time and the ability to be out of the office and have a slower transition over time. And it could just be out of necessity, right? Like no one person can do this work. And so the only way to transition this business is financially 
it's huge, it's this big monster, and we have to have multiple kind of buy-ins over time and buy-outs to kind of keep the practice going and keep it thriving because one person can't buy it. Yeah, and, and we talked offline uh, with her mm-hmm. after our recording, and just to hear her story, she has a space limitation now. Uh, her practice can, uh, from a dollar standpoint, overhead standpoint, new patient is screaming associate, but she had the space. And so at this moment, it wouldn't make sense. But as she is working on this ground up project, which is super exciting, she will have plenty of operatories. She definitely has all the patients that, you know, is needed, the number of new patients that are coming in. She's got the clinical that's booked out, hygiene's booked out with three hygienists. All of these things screen partnership. She's only in the game five years as a owner, and she's ready for that. So mentally, when she's looking at me, she says, oh, yeah, I'm ready to scale back. And I say this all the time. Women are so much quicker to come to this than men. For a man, you know, it's just like, oh, I'm just not ready. I built this thing. I don't know what it is about men. They just hold on to things way it's too. It's a control too, thing. It's a, it's a control thing. I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, trust me, women are controlling too. I'm raising my hand here. <laughs> um, but I think we also, like, just have this, like, this is just not, this is not what I want to do. Like, I want this and this. And so, like, you just have to make a choice, right, where that's just historically not how it's been because the practice she bought was, not much smaller than where it is now and you know he was always a solo practitioner so i think it's just a shift in kind of mindset to these days right so from a seller perspective you have to also understand that right like that's the buyer's mentality is shifting some for some for a lot of people we're working with it's just kind of that balance piece of it too so just numbers wise just to give you a heads up this is what we, we talked about in lecture in the last couple of days so ideally this is a million dollar plus practice ideally uh, we've got six operatories. Ideally, we've got 30 plus new patients. Ideally, we've got a good overhead somewhere around that 55, maybe 58%. Senior doctor is just, you know, making plenty of money. We have a business plan to bring that associate in. So, you know, again, get your finances in order. Look at what that break even is. Have a transition team to kind of give you at least some projections of what a value would look like. Have that team look at what the timing would look like. Break even at what point do they make partner? Uh, how much money you're going to make through that process, uh, at what point do you lose money, how much do you make, and then at what point do you, once the partnership takes place, you're doing some type of partnership splits, does that get you back to your financial income that makes sense for you and your spouse? And if all those things are, you know, a check, then that, I mean, it really is the go that we both like to see when someone is telling us, hey, I'm thinking about bringing in a partner. We're like, let me ask you about 15 questions. <laughs> yeah. You know? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then once we get that, you know, like, okay, like you can tell, like, oh my God, they're so ready and, and they're nice. You know, you want to be partnered with somebody that is truly humble and open and sharing and just, and driven to make you successful. And I, and I mean that for my seller, you need to be in that position and also need for my buyers to know that you have to be that type of person as well. You've got to drive this thing. You've got to in my opinion, out hustle that senior guy or gal. And you've got a little proving to do to those patients and a little proving that you've got to do also to those team because they're, it's an emotional time for them too, the emotional time for the team to be able to go through this process and to trust this young person as well. But I can assure you that these young people uh, that are coming in and becoming partners, just like I knew she was, she's amazing. And it's, it's all of our clients, you know, that they just, they're driven and they're, they're successful, yep. very successful. They knew they wanted to own from yep. day one, a lot of them, they're yep. just waiting on the right time. So yep. another option is, you know, the DSO route, selling to private equity, 
absolutely not a pick for everyone, but absolutely the right choice for some. It's really, really practice and person dependent on what you want. I think this takes a different level of understanding why you're doing it. And the only reason should not be financial most of the time. I would say 90% of the time. For 10% of the people, it's a deal that you just kind of can't say no to because financially it just makes a lot of sense. But when we run the numbers a lot of the time for a lot of the people who ask questions about this type of transition, either they don't have the time to make the deal work, right? I mean, they don't have enough runway left in their career or steam to kind of keep the practice where it needs to be, or the numbers don't make sense for them to do it or you know sell now and work back for a DSO. It's, it's more of, hey, just keep doing what you're doing and then sell, right? But there are people who don't really have that option, like either where they are or the type of practice they have or the size selling to one person is going to be a really challenging transition. They have no desire to bring on an associate. So that that transition type gets taken off the table. So, you know, if the story matters a lot for if you are the right candidate or if the DSO type of transition is the right candidate for you. Yeah. And again, big numbers thing here. These are typically several million dollar type practices, a couple of million dollar, really, really lean overhead you know, ideally those practices that it's a good fit for the DSO and in this case for the seller, these are going to be, you know, GPs, pedos, uh, orthodontics is extremely, I would say, popular in that space because I think it makes sense for both parties. So it's something that it's interesting is me getting in this space uh, early on and basically being the fight for the private practice ownership. You know, I've been on stage and, and yelled and screamed that, you know, my entire career. And I still believe that. But I, I would also say that there are times it makes sense to sell. You know, we haven't talked about that at all on this podcast, but uh, the company that you run is, as well now, Seven Pillars, we haven't even mentioned that. But it's one of those businesses that we started last year out of a need, just like all of these services that we provide out of NDP are, are services that just became. There are times that these large practices, they need some help and they don't have that buyer. And, and the example I used yesterday was, you know, say you had a $4 million orthodontic practice and you're running it by yourself and you make a lot of money. Who's going to buy a $4 million practice? It's not one person. No, no, no bank is going to give them $4 million. And, and what you're just going to happen to find as a seller, what, two people or buyers, you happen to be, you know, you and your buddy are going to buy that. That is so rare. You know, some type of husband, wife duo, they're going to buy this. And, you know, if you've got a two and a half million dollar, you know, GP practice, that's amazing. What is that? You're ready to sell in the next, you know, I don't know, you want to be out in three to four years. What now you got to bring somebody in as an associate, it could fail. Maybe if they bought in half, are they going to buy the, now they're going to run a two and a half million dollar practice themselves. So these are times where if it does make financial sense that it, this is a financial planning decision, clearly, you're going to get a bunch of money up front, you're going to pay some tax, and we're going to invest that money. And then we're going to take a pay cut now working back for them. And then the goal is that we're going to leave some of the money in this DSO private equity thing. And that that company that you have uh, sold to, they're going to reinvest, kind of recapitalize that investment, sell to someone else, and you're going to get you know, this other check. And then that has to make sense for you. It, it's a financial planning decision. Does it make more financial sense to do that? Does it solve an emotional problem of selling compared to hanging on with the hope that you get to sell here in a matter of, you know, 
three, four, five years. So there's risk on both sides. There's an emotional attachment on both sides. It's a financial decision on both sides that you kind of get to play out. And that's just for the client to figure out. And so, you know, how many deals are you even working? It's so sad that we are so busy. I don't even get to know. So like how many deals do you have in the pipeline right we now? We have about 25 on the seven pillar side. 25 clients yeah. that you are guiding through a private equity event. Yep. And about, you know, 70 or so on the NDP side at this very, this very second. And that, how I, are you hanging on girl? I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, clearly you, great I know teams. You, you do have a good great team. Great teams around both groups, but here you kind of lay all that out just brings me back to what we always come back to which is the goal and what you need in transition is to understand what you're doing and understand yourself and understand why you're doing it understand the process be educated about your options being educated about what you know the purchase agreement means and what the associate term means or what the DSO contract means or what recapitalization means and there are all of these resources out there to help you do that and the sooner and it's a lot of information and it's very overwhelming so the sooner you do that the better and while self-serving, like we heard from Anushka earlier that like having a team who understands and does, that's all that they do is transitions and especially in dental transitions can be so critical to the success of your transition, right? Both her and her husband had failed transitions from working with sellers who did not have a plan, who did not think ahead, who did not have teams. And in their second, well, in her second round, both people had, you know, representation and both, you know, had gone through it and and knew what they wanted and knew what they didn't. And so I just think it kind of all brings it back to the fact of like, whether it's, you know, a transition advisor like us or a broker or a seven pillars team or, you know, dental specific attorney or Kane Waters from a financial planning standpoint, like having that team of experts that do those things well, right? So that you can do what you do well, which is figure out what you need and what your goals are and, and what you want and your next kind of, and the next owner, whoever that might be, is just so critical. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome too, to have, you know, like when you guys go into our Kane Waters consults and basically that client, the advisor saying this person's financially set, they're in good shape, they've been contacted already from this private equity group, here's the offer, they're ready to engage with seven pillars to renegotiate and to get some type of better deal, but they are ready. It's a lot easier to work with that type of client because you absolutely know that they have the financial checklist going and they're they're ready yep. you know both emotionally and financially they are ready to you know kind of pull the trigger here so yep. good work girl i know this has been so fun live from hinman appreciate you and nushka and just joellen who helped coordinate all this oh, for yeah. us this yeah. has been so fun thank you for joining us on this special episode of transition talk and as always make sure to share the transition love with those who may not know of us yet and of course subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast Podcast. Hey, good luck on your speeches today, girl. Uh, y- yeah, no rocket. It. It's yeah, gonna be good. I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be the heckler in the back. Oh, oh, take that nap. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>